The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, we have an incredible text. Just an incredible text. So would you turn with me to Romans chapter 6? I get the great task of trying to finish Romans chapter 6. I'm going to do my best. There is so much here, um, but I'm going to do my very, very best. So this morning as we get to God's word, would you just come with me in prayer? And let's come to the Lord and ask that he would turn our, our ears and hearts to his word. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, thank you for this day. This is the day that we know that you have made, and as your word says, we choose to rejoice in it, to give thanks. And I thank you for bringing us together, for bringing us together this morning. I do not believe that we are here by, by accident, um, whether we are here in this very room or whether we're joining um, online. I do not believe we are here by accident. We are here to hear from you. That's why we gather around your word with such eager expectation. How incredible is it that you have spoken and continue to speak to us through your your inspired and true word. So this morning, would you continue to speak? Would would we not only read your word, but this morning, would your word just read over us? And um, Lord, just conform us to your son this morning through your word, through your power, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, church. As we get into this text, I, I want to try to debunk a huge myth. And what I'm about to say might um, sound strange. You might not have ever thought of it like this, or this might actually go against what you thought. If so, hang with me, please. Just bear with me. I promise this will, I'll bring this together. Um, there is a way to look at Christianity as restrictive. There is a way to look at Christianity, to preach Christianity in a way that is highly restrictive, in a way that says, I can do this and I can't do that, in a way that says, now I have to do what I don't want to do and now I I can't do what I want to do. There is a way to preach Christianity as just a big old restriction. And, and there's a way of, of seeing life um, this way that, that Christianity kind of sets out this life, sets out this way of living that's different from the culture around us, that, that, that is different from the world around us, that makes us feel like we're oddballs, that gets us labeled as fundamentalists or bigots or whatever. And, and there's a way of looking at Christianity, of preaching Christianity in a sense that, that would call people who are otherwise free to come and join us in bondage. Okay, you follow me? There's a way to preach Christianity as it's the, this holy bondage that free people give away their freedom and become bound. There is a way to think about coming to Christ as coming to bondage. Here's the problem with that view. It is absolutely impossible to hold in light of Scripture. Absolutely impossible. In fact, um, we're going to see in our text today that that myth is just 
blown up. You can't hold it. Um, because we're going to see that we don't, in fact, go from freedom to slavery. We actually don't even go from freedom to freedom. What we're going to see in our text, my proposal for you today, is that we go from master to master. That we have now a new master. And, and um, my proposal today is, is, the question is not, are you free or are you a slave? The question, our question, that this text calls us to consider is this. Who is your master? Who is your master? So we're going to come back to this because I know that right now there's probably questions floating around in your mind. Like one of the ones that I think of is, is Pastor, wait a second, Galatians 5 it's for freedom. Christ has set us free, right? You're thinking of that, and I know, I get it, but hear me. In this text this morning, in our time this morning, I think it's time for us to understand freedom a little bit more fully. And what is, is meant by this? And I, I want to stretch, it's going to stretch us a little bit, but I want us to remember the same Paul who wrote Galatians 5 also wrote our text this morning. All right, and, and I think this morning is gonna be a beautiful time for us to, to be stretched. I know that I have been stretched this week. And so let's, let's look at this. We're gonna start in verse 12. Um, listen, listen to this. Let's, let, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its, its passions. So pause real quick. Um, for anyone who has believed the myth that freedom to in sin is actually freedom. This kind of just, how's this verse for clarity here as it just blows it up? We are not reigning, Paul says. Sin is reigning, making us obey its passions. This is not freedom language. This is slavery language. And church, we are not the masters here, Paul says. Then he continues, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. Now, what Paul has just done here is presented us with our two masters. He's presented us with the two masters, and Paul calls us to present ourselves to our master. On the one hand, he says, do not present yourself to sin, that cruel master. Instead, present yourselves to God, because you have been brought from death to life, new creation, and sin no longer has dominion over you. So he says, in other words, when Christ is your master, sin is not. Sin has no dominion, no true power, no dominion, sin has no dominion over that which is, he does not own. So Paul says, present yourselves to God. So, so here is what Paul is doing. He is presenting, and we're going to be picking this apart this morning. He's presenting two camps or two kingdoms. He's presenting two camps, two kingdoms. Uh, camp number one is law. Camp number two is Grace. Kingdom number one, law. Kingdom number two, grace. The master of this camp, the law camp, is sin. 
Well, the master of this kingdom, this camp over here, the grace camp, is God. So Paul is getting this church, getting us to realize that we belong to a different camp and we have a different master. So uh, going back, by the way, to the last couple weeks, we've talked a lot about identity, who you are in Christ and who you believe yourself to be in Christ. We've talked a lot about this. Um, Well, this is what Paul is driving us to see here. Who are we? Who do we believe and see ourselves to be in Christ? And more than that, here's my, my addition this morning, Paul's addition from this text. What camp and to what master do you belong? What master, what camp, what kingdom do you belong to? So Paul, from this, he's going to ask this question. Should sound familiar. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. As I said, this should sound familiar. In the beginning of Romans, uh, or the beginning of Romans 6, we see almost the same question, don't we? It's the same question. In Romans 6, 1, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul says, by no means. It's a very similar question here. Um, And what we saw is when Paul asked that question earlier in in Romans 6, he answers it by focusing on our identity. He says, hey, we can't live in sin if we're dead to it. Don't you know that we're living the baptized life as we talked about, that, that we've been baptized into Christ Jesus, into his death, we're buried with him in order that we can walk in newness of life? Do you not remember who you are, Paul says? We can't continue to sin because it's not who we are. It's not our identity. That's what we talked about the last couple weeks. So Paul asks, are we, what should we say then? Are we going to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Why? Because it's not who you are. That's what we've looked at the last couple weeks. But this time around, it's different. Notice this time. This time Paul asks the same question. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. This time, though, listen to his response. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So take this in. Take this in. It's not just about your identity and who you are. This church, what Paul is getting us to see, is about our master, who we serve. Why not just keep sinning, Paul says? Why not? Well, because of who you are, your identity, yes. But why not just keep sinning? Paul here in our text says, no, 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 no. Because of who you serve. Because who your master is. Now, um, I'm fully aware of the cultural moment we're in right now. Um, It is far more popular to talk about identity, who you are, who you see yourself to be, than... um, It is to talk about submission to authority or a master. Uh, I am far aware that today autonomy is king. What is right for me is right. What is true for me is true. Um, Identity is huge right now. Uh, In fact, in fact, there's a chance that even if you deny Christianity completely, you could have come and joined us the last couple weeks as we talked about identity, and you wouldn't have agreed with, any, with everything, but you would have agreed with the premise of know who you are and operate out of that identity. It's really, it's really hot right now to talk that way. 
You could get on Oprah if you have that message of know who you are and live according to your identity and who you are. That's really, it's really in right now. It's really popular right now. It, it's a part of the cultural message. Autonomy is king. Unfortunately, that autonomy is king kind of mindset, that hyper-autonomy has also seeped into the church where we no longer need anyone else or anything else. It's just me and my Jesus and uh, how I feel about things is what matters. Um, Listen, identity is so important. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to what we've talked about the last couple weeks. Identity is so important. It's huge. But I believe that the identity pill, so to speak, is a lot easier to swallow for us today than the master pill, than the submission to our master is is for us. So as we think about this, we think, well, pastor, we're free. What about free will? What about freedom, right? Um, Church, as Paul is putting before us this morning, in Christ, you and I, we don't continue to sin because of who we are and who we believe ourselves to be, yes, but we no longer continue to sin, church, because we are under new authority, a new master, a new king. We serve, we submit to a new master. This is huge. We're going we're gonna to pick this apart. I want to come back, though, to the, the myth that we debunked earlier, and I want to make this visual for us, if you're a visual person, um, because I think it's important for us to see a couple of the lies. They're subtle, okay, when it comes to this. Um, so it's not like, like this. So we're over here and shackled to sin, and at salvation now, we are released, right? We're, we're now released, and, and we are now free. Um, go ahead and switch that. We're now free right here to be our own master. This is, this is not the reality. So it's not like we go from sin and law, and, and at salvation, now we're released, and now we're free to be our own master, and, and we're free to choose between here or here. Um, this is not the reality. It's not that we go from bondage to sin under sin's authority into freedom under your authority. This is not the reality. I brought up a, um, a dog example last week which I said was terrible, and I still believe it's terrible. Um, but if you remember it, what, what the example was is you have two dogs in the backyard, if you remember this example, and one being sin in the flesh, one being righteousness and obedience, right? And um, the question was, which dog are you feeding? Which dog are you feeding? And I, I told you last week, not my favorite example because I think it ignores who we are, it ignores our identity. I will add to this that that kind of thinking ignores who our master is too. Um, it's like we're, we're here now choosing, I'll have a little of this, I'll feed this dog a little bit and I'm gonna feed this dog a little bit and I'm gonna choose which dog I wanna feed. Does that make sense? So, so it, it leaves us as though we think we are the master. Church, that's, that's a lie. 
It is, it is not, that is not the way scripture paints us, paints this picture. Um, also, let's, let's go to the next one. Uh, go to the next one after that. Um, it's also not like this, where, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, this is before you come to Christ, where you are in control and you are free and you're free to do whatever you want, right? Um, freedom to do whatever you want, you're the master. It's not like then at salvation, we come over here and, and, and we're now in bondage with God as the master. It's not like we make this shift at salvation from freedom to, to bondage in, in Christ. Um, okay. There's an old movie, it's older, it's uh, called Inception. I don't know when it came out. It, it's gotta be like over 10 years old. So I don't feel bad if, you, if I'm ruining it for you. You've had plenty of time to see this movie. Um, but I, I couldn't help but think about Inception as I was processing this. Um, if you remember, the main idea of the movie is they would go into these subconscious dream states. It's trippy, uh, super trippy movie. Um, they would go into these subconscious dream states and they would try to tamper with things. And the premise of the movie was simple. The most powerful idea is the idea we believe to be our own. Right? So, so if they could get you to think that the idea originated with you, it was your idea, um, if they, they could get you to do things, if, they, if you thought it was your own idea, they could be the master while all the while you were thinking you were the master. And there's power in that, according to this, this movie. So what they would try to do is they would try to, to go in and plant ideas without it being traced back to them, right? It's so trippy, um, so trippy. Great soundtrack, by the way. Um, but that's the premise of the movie, just a weird trippy movie, um, under the premise that the most powerful idea is the idea that we think to be our own. The most powerful idea is when we think we are the master and we think we are in control. I can't help but think that we have been played like this. I can't help but, but think that we have believed we are free over here, that we have believed we are free, that we've believed we are in control, that we were the master while all the time we were in bondage. Thinking we were, it was our idea, thinking we are free all the time, as our text says, being under the master of sin and it, 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 it making us obey, right? I can't help but relate to this ridiculous movie. But scripture doesn't Talk about us that way. Scripture doesn't paint this picture. Um, so I gotta ask, if it's not those things, if it's not any of those things, what is it then? What is it? Well, let's, let's go to, to what it is. We are over here. We are in this kingdom. We are in this camp, the camp of law. This is what this text says. We are under this master, this master of sin. This is you. This was you. Outside of Christ, this is, this is you. You are not free. You are in bondage in, in the kingdom of law under the master of sin. That is, that is you. 
Then, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you are taken out of this kingdom, and you are citizens of a new kingdom. The kingdom, as this text calls, the kingdom of grace, with the master of this kingdom being God, being Christ himself. You're taken from one, you go from this to this. And you might ask me, well, pastor, what about all that freedom language in, in, in the text? What about all that? Well, let's listen to what Paul says about this freedom. He, he continues in his text. He, he, he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart, oh, I love that, to the standard of teaching which you were committed so pause quickly. I do love this language because it's inside out language. It's, it's heart to action, heart to hands, obedience from the heart. And I love that. And then listen, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And Paul adds this. This is one of those times you just have to kind of laugh out loud when you're reading Paul. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Feel that one? When you read that, you're like, thanks, Paul. Thank you. I, I, I love this because when you read, when I read something like this, I can't help but be reminded how much our minds are going to be blown when we see Jesus face to face and all these natural limitations are gone. Paul here, I'm talking to you with all of your natural limitations. One day those won't be there. One day. And for now, though, thank you, Paul, for acknowledging my own limitations and, um, and he, he puts it in a way that is limited. He uses an analogy here, an example here. And, and with every example and analogy, they're not perfect. But analogies and examples, as Paul is using here, um, they get us to see the bigger truths, right? That's what they do. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here. So listen to what he says. He goes on to say this. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness? So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Okay, we're gonna come back to that, but let's, let's go to this next section. For when you were slaves of sin, what does Paul say? You were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time? What, an answer, what a question that is. How did that work for you? From the things of which you are, uh, now you are ashamed? For the end of those things is death? But now, Paul says, you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God. And the fruit of that, the fruit you get, leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Think about what Paul is saying here. You were in this camp under this master, and you were free from this master. You were once here, and you were free from this master. That master didn't claim you. And yet, and yet, when you were in this camp, now Paul says you are free from this master. That's where freedom is. Freedom is when we are in our master, we are now free from the master who once claimed us. You're free from that master. In other words, hear me. You are not under two masters. You do not belong to two camps. 
You don't choose a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You are either free from one or a slave to the other or vice versa. And I want, you, I want you to hear me, don't hear me wrong here because I'm not saying that people who do not follow Jesus, who do not know Jesus, never do good things. I'm also not saying that people who do know Jesus and follow Jesus never sin. No, 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 no. The truth is, is that there are many times that when people who do not know Jesus do good things, And every time we see that, by the way, as a child of God, we need to say, praise God. Because that's an example of part of God's common grace that he's poured on us. We need to praise God when we see that. And at the same time, the truth is, is that there will be many times, if you've been in the church long enough, you know this, there will be many times when, when Christ followers will not represent their master well, will sin will mess up. Here's the reality. That's a part of God's sanctifying grace, his saving grace on us. That's a part of what it means to be in the kingdom of grace, by the way. It's what it's all about. Um, in fact, would you notice where Paul is driving us here, to, what he's driving us to see? Look at this again. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness... So now present your members as slaves of righteousness, leading to sanctification. Then he gets us to think about it. For when we were slaves to sin, we were free to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time? It was shame. It was from things of which you are now ashamed. And the end of those things is death, he says. But now we are free from sin and that kingdom, and we are now Members, slaves of God, members of this kingdom, and the fruit of that leads to sanctification, and its, its end is not death. It's eternal life. So think about what Paul is getting us to consider here. He's getting us to think about the fruit of the kingdom we are in. And over, over here, we have lawlessness and brokenness, and over here, we have The fruit of shame. Have you felt that? Yet, over here, this kingdom leading to sanctification, this kingdom leading not to death, but to life and life eternally, the question is, where are you? The question is, where are you? The question is, who do you serve? Who is your master? That's the question that Paul is driving us to see. And in one of Paul's most succinct, straightforward verses, he says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, that master, is death. The kingdom of sin, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of law, the wages of that kingdom, the cost of being in that kingdom, the result of being in that kingdom is death. The result of being under that master is death. But, Paul says, the, the, the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, meaning the kingdom of God, the kingdom of grace, the kingdom of Christ. The result of this kingdom is not shame or death. It is life. Life abundantly, life eternally. And I want you to notice in this text, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our what? Not our friend, not just our brother, but it's Christ Jesus our what? Our Lord. That's master language. That's Lord language. It's Christ Jesus our Lord, our master. We have a new master church. He's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please don't think for a moment that it's up to us to choose between one or the other, that I'll take him as Savior, but not as Lord. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is clear here. We are in a different kingdom with a different master. And one of the greatest joys, one of the greatest joys that we have in our life is when we confess that moment that we confess, Lord, I am not the master of my own life. I am not perfect. I am not sinless. I am not good. But there is this great joy that comes when we see Christ perfect, sinless, and good, and we step into his kingdom under King Jesus being sanctified, leading to life. That is incredible, church, and that's what we are invited into. So where are you and who is your master? If I can do one thing this morning, one thing only, I hope to show you there is no middle ground. There's no Space in between the two kingdoms where you get to be king. There is the kingdom of sin and the kingdom of God. There is no middle ground. And and the question is, are you here? Or are you here? Is this your master? Or is he your master? That's, that is the question. And for all of us, everyone who is, who is listening to this, for anyone who is over here in this kingdom, the kingdom of sin, uh, the kingdom of, of law, my call, the call from this text is to realize that we have been invited to come to Christ, that there is a better kingdom, that he is a better king And no matter who you are, through the work of Christ, by the grace of God, through faith in Christ, you are invited to come. If you are here, that is your invitation. If if you are here this morning and, and you believe yourself to be in some middle kingdom, my call, the call from this text is for you to realize there is no such kingdom. There's no such thing as as you being master. The call is to come to Christ because again, he's a better kingdom, he is a better king and no matter who you are, through his work, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you are invited into a better kingdom. And for everyone here who, through this text, the Lord has just shown you that you are here, that you are in this kingdom, that you belong to the kingdom of grace with God as your master. The call this morning is to rejoice knowing that this kingdom will never be shaken. 
that our king will never be caught off guard. And in Christ, there is life, there is future, there is hope. And so regardless of who we are, the call from this text is to respond. And so let's respond this morning. Church, would you bow with me in prayer? God, we, um, we thank you for your grace that would meet us where we are, just as we are, and show us your love. That you would graciously show us that we're not in charge like we think we are. And that you would graciously call us to a better kingdom under a better master. God, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This morning, I I pray for my brothers and sisters who are not sure or not yet responded to the gospel and submitted under the new kingdom and new king. And I just pray that in this moment, not from a place of shame, because we've seen that, that belongs to the old kingdom, not from a place of shame, but from a place of, of conviction and calling and love as your spirit does a work that you would woo us, that you would draw us, that you would call us to see our sin and all the more to see the goodness of your grace. Again, I do not believe we are here by accident. I do not believe we are listening or watching, to this, by, uh, watching this by accident. So in this moment, Lord, would you, through your spirit, do the work. In Jesus' name, amen.